Welcome to Foothills Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doug Peak. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit foothills.org. Man, I love that intro today. I am ready to go, man. I'm just going to go out and do a Tough Mudder, Spartan Race, or Potato Mud Run, or something. And that's what this series is about, is I'm going to get you ready and motivated to get in the mud. No, actually not. Welcome, everybody streaming with us online. And hi, all you at Grace Assisted, just across the parking lot. We're glad you're joining us. We're starting a brand new series here at Foothills called Boot Camp, and it's a family challenge. And we're going to do something a little different, and that is we're going to do this for six weeks, and every week we're going to give you a challenge. And the whole goal of this entire series is to help you strengthen your family regardless of where it is. It doesn't matter if you're like, uh, you're single and you're thinking, boy, it'd be so nice to have a family one day. Uh, Or if you're uh, married and the kids are gone and you're ready to retire. It doesn't matter if you're blending a family, you're coming uh, from, you're you're a single parent family, whatever situation that you find, our goal is to help you strengthen your family regardless of where it is right now. And doing that to show you all of the biblical principles and teaching out there and how it applies to your life. Now, I uh, gave a handout and on the handout, is uh, on the back of it is many of the main scripture passages that have to do with family and a lot of the teaching that we're going to be doing. So you're going to want to take that. If you're online, it's posted on our website. So you can go there and grab it real quick and kind of references it uh, on your phone, your device as you're watching. And uh, on the other side is a mission statement worksheet, and we're going to get to that at the end of our message. So if you don't have one, jump up, go to the back, grab one, or uh, there's uh, ushers uh, up in the balcony if you need one. And so what I'd like to do, though, is I want to start off with a passage of Scripture, which is a general principle. It has to do with your family. And even if you're a single person and you're in college right now, you're a part of a family, whether you know it or not. And I want you to know something that the Bible teaches in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 29. It said, whoever brings ruin on their family will inherit only the wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise. Now, this principle is very important. That is, if you disregard your family, if you ignore your family, if you write your family off, or... You do something that intentionally hurts your family. So let's say you're in college and you're thinking, wow, I'm finally all out on my own. I'm just going to do whatever I want. No one can watch me anymore. Well, if you do something in college when you're all out on your own that hurts your family, the Bible teaches that you're going to inherit the wind, meaning you inherit really a whole lot of nothing. And then you can become servant all. So the way you perceive your family, even if you came from a really unhealthy and dysfunctional situation, how you perceive your family now is really important. So the reason I want to kind of dig into this and help you is because in some way, every family is like a team, okay? Every family is like a team. It can be a large team or it can be a small team. You can have one coach or two. But they are very similar. And even though it's formed initially through love and chemistry, 
It can be increased in size through biology and it can be tested by the environment in which it is trying to play the game of life. It possesses many characteristics just like a team and the team that you're on, regardless of the size or structure, will have the greatest impact on the life that you will live. Your family, your team, has the greatest impact on you as a person. And this has been proven in research over and over again. The Bible teaches that, but I just wanted to give you just a couple of, I'm going to give you a little quote here from the uh, National Library of Medicine and National Institute of Health. It says, family relationships are enduring and consequential for the well-being across the life course. Now, this is kind of a PhD way of saying that your family impacts you for your whole life, all right? Throughout the whole trajectory of your life, it's going to have a massive impact on you. Uh, They go on to say, I didn't write all this stuff up there, and that is that a, a life course perspective has positive marital relationships as one of the most important relationships that define life context and in turn affect individuals' well-being throughout adulthood. In other words, uh, being married, especially happy married, is associated with better mental and physical health than you could ever imagine. So uh, when, you're, when you're thinking about getting married, as you're being married, as you're living through marriage, all of its ups and downs, it's going to have the biggest impact on your life than anything else that you do. Your family unit, if you get married and then you have children, that's going to have a massive impact on your life more than any other factor other than your faith in Jesus Christ. So with that in mind and with the notion that families have such a huge impact on your life, it's really important to know that today families are really struggling. Families are having a really hard time in our culture today. And the reason why is because your world, your culture, your society is not interested in healthy families any more. There's a, uh, a number of different things that we could talk about. I'm not here to be a social critic today, but uh, it's just simply factual. And that is, is that the best way to be married is what uh, sociologists call the traditional model, where two people are committed to each other in a covenantal relationship. Children thrive when they're raised in this environment. Now, if you don't have that environment, uh, it doesn't mean that You can't grow, that you can't pursue your faith, that you can't make a huge difference in the life of the children. It's just very important, though, to take that knowledge into account, okay? Because you got to understand the structure of your team in order to be able to make the right kind of decisions that are going to move that team forward. And so when you look back at society and what it used to be like, it's not always a bad thing. And what has happened is our society's turned away from that. And what it's done is really put pressure on families and relationships like never before and brought a lot of challenges. And so the goal of this series is kind of help us navigate that and then take some challenges that are going to make a very specific difference. So first thing we got to do is we got to talk about a very important pattern that everybody has, okay? Now this pattern, it happens to you in your life. If you look at your whole life, you start out 
And then you're going to grow, 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 and then you get up and up. And then, you know what they say, the new 60 is the new 40. So all you 60-year-olds are looking young and hip with six-pack abs. You know, so that thing keeps going, 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 going. And then at the very end, it goes down. So that's kind of a thing, uh, this curve. This is called a sigmoid curve. And it came out in the early 90s by uh, a mathematician by the name, I think it's Hardy. Uh, not two E's, not a Y. And what happened is he said, look, what we have found is mathematically, we have found an equation that applies to almost every situation when dealing with human beings. So this mathematical equation not only applies to you in your entire life cycle, uh, but it also applies to uh, every relationship. It applies to organizations. It applies to governments, political movements, it applies to everything. So it became known, known as the sigmoid curve. It's also known as the S-curve. Pastor Harv was up here in our last series, and he was talking about the S-curve over and over again. And what I wanted you to know is that your team, your family, follows the S-curve. But it follows it over and over again. So let's go to the next one, and I want to show you how it works, okay? And that is, is that... You, something happens in your life. So let's just say, for instance, you're down here at the bottom and you're single, okay? You're single, and then you meet somebody and you fall in love and you go, marriage is going to be the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my life. And so you get married. And what happens usually after about six or nine months of marriage, sometimes 18 months, what happens is where does your curve go? Down. Down, doobie doo, down, down. You know, it goes down. And that's what everybody starts saying to you. Everybody's been married a while, say, well, the honeymoon is over. And what does that really mean? Well, what that means is that welcome to real life. Okay? So it goes down. Let's go back to that curve a little bit. And it goes down. But then what happens is you kind of adjust and you realize, you know, this is really. We, we can make adjustments. We, we, and what happens is then it goes up and up and up and up, right? And so your, your marriage relationship goes up. And what happens is it starts to kind of taper off a little bit. So you think to yourselves, well, maybe it's time for us to start a family. Or you've been planning to start a family. And so what happens up there? See the A? There as you go, wow, let's start a family. So you have a baby, right? And then when you're first pregnant, you're so excited, aren't you? Aren't you so excited? I mean, I'm talking about both, both husband, wife, mom and dad, right? It's very exciting, right? And then about the six and a half months into it, seven months, what happens? You're like, okay, I'm ready for this to be over. I'm ready for this to be over. In my house, personally, when my wife was pregnant with our kids, she had an undeniable craving for Mexican food. She wanted it for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and a midnight snack. So, as the husband that I am, what do you think I did? Yes, dear. We're going to eat a lot of Mexican food. So now, as my kids are older, if my wife says, hey, let's go get Mexican food, I go, Anything but Mexican food. <laughs> so what happens is again, that pregnancy, what does it do? It goes down. And then you bring the baby home and then you're like, you know, you get that sleep deprived look, you know, the, what's going on. 
But then what happens is you adjust, and then it's like, wow, it just gets fun, doesn't it? You know, I mean, babies are fun, and you just, you figure it out. You go from the, how do I change a diaper without getting peed on, to being able to do, I, I don't know why this is, but I always saw it as a competition. I was like, how fast can I do this? You know? Guys, if you turn things into competitions, you know, it's awesome. You know, you get a little thing, you get a count going in your head. You're going, okay, man, I'm going to do this right now. And I'm going to see how fast I can do it. I'm going to beat my personal best right here on this. So got into the diaper changing. And I just want you to know in our church, you know, even the men's bathrooms have diaper changing tables. So ladies, don't let the guys tell you, I I can't go in the restroom and do that, honey. They've got one in there. Okay. So, uh, What happens is you get adjusted to that, and then what happens is kids are just a ton of fun. I mean, they really are. In a lot of ways, I I look back on those times, and they're a ton of fun. Because in the blink of an eye, I know I look like I'm 29, but in the blink of an eye, you know, they're in college and out. And you're going, man, I miss those times. So that's when you go get married and have grandkids so I can have more fun without sleep deprivation. Right? So, but what happens, you're on that sigmoid, sigmoid curve. And this is what I found is this. If we can go back to it one more time, what I found is this. Is you see that spot where it says A and then that red? Is that if, if you really want your life to continually just to do good and get better, when you hit that A point, you have to kind of reevaluate, you have to reboot into a whole new curve that's going to go up. And if you're married and you have children, what we found in our family is that we did it at every single school transition. So there was before they were in school. And then when they got into preschool, that A kind of hit and we started thinking about, okay, what's it going to look like when they're in school now throughout the day? And then so we went through elementary school. And elementary school is so different than middle school. You need to make a whole new reboot on middle school. And then when they got ready to go to high school, we did a whole new reboot as they went to high school. And basically we had to sit down and rewrite all the family rules and you have to, all the expectations. Because the thing you don't want to do as a parent is, is create, uh, it says in Ephesians, don't exasperate your children. You don't want to create exasperation by treat, treating your kids you know, if they're in middle school, like they're elementary kids, or if they're in high school, like, in, and sometimes it's hard to do that as a parent, unless you intentionally write a new S-curve, right? Get a new curve going. And then when they went to college, there was a new S-curve. And so you want to, you want to kind of keep rebooting. This is really important for your marriage. It's really important for your marriage. And what you ought to do is you ought to look at your marriage in five-year increments. Now you can do it any way you want, but if you're married, look at it in five-year increments. And that is why celebrating anniversaries is so important, is that every fifth year you should look at, okay, what do we need to do to write a new S-curve? We need to get that going in a new direction. So these are really, really important things to do. And you have to reboot, reinvent your organization, your team, your family, your marriage, your parenting relationships over and over again at regular intervals. Listen to what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 through 14. Now what he's talking about is, look, I want to know Jesus Christ. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. And I want to know, uh, uh, be united with him in his death so that I may know the power of his resurrection. 
So what he's talking about is, I want to find my identity completely 100% in Christ. And this is what he says in verse 12. I have not already obtained this. I have not already arrived at my goal. Now notice what he's saying, is that I know what my goal is, right? To be like Christ, to be completely united with Christ. So he says, that's my goal. He's defined it. And then he says, but I have not achieved it yet. So I do one thing. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So he's saying, Christ has taken hold of me for this purpose of drawing me to him. And so I'm going to take hold of that. I'm going to make that my life's mission. He goes, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. So he says, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not taking hold of it yet, but I know what my goal is. So one thing I have to do, this is the one thing I will do. This is the bottom line. This is the, the nugget, the kernel, the gem. I will forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead. So every time that S-curve starts to taper off, you want a new one because you got to let go of the old one. If you don't, it will hinder your progress forward. He says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What is the prize? What is the prize if you have a family? Because I know you do. Well, the boot camp challenge is about finding the prize in developing a new S-curve to focus on it. It's clarifying what that prize is. So let's jump into this first challenge, and that is the very first thing to do, regardless of whether you're single, in college, never married, not even thinking about it, or if you're single again, or if you're blending a family, or if you're married and ready to have kids, or if you're at that point in your life where you're reti- getting ready to retire as a couple, and that is you need to define your family's mission. You need to clarify the mission of your family. Now, why should you do that? Well, number one, a family mission is a clearly defined direction of what you want your family to become and accomplish in life. Proverbs 29, 17, verses 18 says this, discipline your children and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights that you desire. And where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Now, these two verses, 17 and 18, are linked together, and the concepts and principles are the same. The first one is this, discipline your children. Discipline comes from the Greek word yasar, and what it means is correct or train. So discipline is about training and correcting everything from this is how you do your own laundry, this is how you make your bed, to this is how you put a budget together, this is how you treat people, this is how you do your homework, this is how you complete jobs, this is how you accept responsibility. All of these things are training and that's what it's saying. Train your children. Children don't grow up accidentally. They only grow up into adults intentionally. The second verse, verse 18, has this word revelation in it. And the word revelation means almost the exact same thing as discipline. It comes from the Hebrew word kazon. And what it means is uh, it, has a, it denotes vision. 
See, so where there is no revelation, where there's no vision, because some trans, uh, verse, uh, translations use the word vision, where there's no vision, where there's no clearly seen direction of where to go, what happens? Well, everybody starts doing their own thing. They go in their own direction. And when they go in their own direction, what ends up happening? It all falls apart. See, there's no team, right? There's no team. And there has to be a sense of our family needs to know where it's going. If you do not have a vision of where you want your family to go, then you cannot discipline, train, or do course corrections in the life of your children towards it. You got to know what it is. And the result will be everyone going in their own direction. So when things go bad, this is something, when things go bad in families, oftentimes people will reach out and then when come, they, they, they talk to their pastor. And one of the common things that I hear is this, well, we just grew apart. Marriage is something, well, we just grew apart, we need to go our separate directions. Or, well, our kids, we just grew apart. Well, that is probably true. You do grow apart. But you don't grow apart by accident. You grow apart by intention. And how, how does it happen by intention? Well, it, 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 intention happens uh, through one of the laws of physics. It's called the laws of entropy. Have you ever heard of the law of entropy? Well, the law of entropy in physics, people are like, man, I didn't come to church to learn physics. Give me a break. Well, it's just a simple principle. It's called the law of entropy. And that is, is that every organized system grows towards chaos. That's the natural order of the world and the universe is entropy, is towards chaos, not towards order, not towards success, not towards organization. It's towards disorder, chaos, breaking down. And so what you have to do is you have to say, we're not going to grow apart because of the law of entropy. We're going to grow forward. And when we grow forward, we're going to do it by intention. And so we're going to have a, a family mission for our church, for our family team. It's important to have this mission because your family ultimately ends up somewhere. Law of entropy says towards disorder and chaos, right? And so you have to intentionally say, we want something different. And if you don't define it, you have no idea what it is. If you don't define it, you have no vision. If you don't define it, you don't know how to seek guidance, you know? Uh, one of the things I've become really accustomed to uh, whenever I have to go anywhere, travel, anything, you know, is I pick up my phone, I talk to my phone, and I say, hey, how do I get to, and then you speak the address, right? Or you can actually do it the old-fashioned way and type it in with your thumbs, you know, and I still do that a lot, too. Um, and so the one thing I have learned, though, is all of these little GPS units and all these things, they don't work so well when you say, hey, Siri... I want to go somewhere. Siri says, where would you like to go? I don't know. Anywhere. Uh, we don't work that way. We need to have a specific address and then we will get you there. But so many people are living in their family, in their relationships with no defined direction or address of where they want to go. And then they're frustrated. Why, well, why isn't this thing, this, this, this thing, this book here not helping me? Well, you need to define the vision for your family. If it's not defined, you know who ends up driving your direction of your family? 
your marriage, your kids, everything else, your culture. And here's one of the really interesting things about America is that 100 years ago, if you didn't do a good job as a parent, all society shared really basically the same values and principles, right? Um, if you, uh, 100 years ago, if you're, if you're struggling, it's like, well, everybody generally had the same values and same principles. Well, you don't live in that world anymore. When I was a kid in elementary school in third grade, I was hanging out with this guy. And we, were, we were walking over to his house after school. And uh, we found an old beer bottle, you know, so we're picking it up. We were breaking it on an old fire hydrant, you know? So we were breaking it because we thought that was cool. So we broke it and stuff and we went on. So the next day in third grade, the PE teacher came by and made us line up. You know, you had to, you remember how you had to line up and be quiet? And so the PE teacher, he was an older guy, and uh, he's probably my age now, but back then I thought, this guy's ancient. And so we were lined up, and he said, now before we go out, before we go out, and do PE today. Because that was the best part of elementary school when you're a boy, right? It's PE. I get out of this room. We go out and play. It's awesome. So before we go out, we have to have a conversation today. He said, yesterday, when I was driving home from work, I saw two boys creating trash on the street, breaking bottles on fire hydrants. And I went... <laughs> Man, I was petrified. I was petrified. And of course, what was great is the coach didn't call us out by name. But he just said, he just, then he said, you know, it's really important to know that when we find trash on the street, we're supposed to pick it up and put it in a receptacle. I'm like, what's a receptacle? <laughs> trash can. You know, I was in third grade. Give me a break. Um, so what happened is, I, I, I don't know why, but here I am, you know, 29 years old, and I still remember that story. <laughs> if you don't have a sense of humor, you'll never make it a place. This ain't going to happen. See, the issue there is really important to understand, and that is, is that back then, people, here's, here's a, a PE coach who, you know, but he, he was reinforcing values, right? Well, guess what? That doesn't happen anymore. The prevailing values of your culture today are exactly the opposite. Being married is one of the biggest challenges under the best of circumstances, but today your culture does everything to undermine your marriage. That's just a fact. Don't let culture determine the direction of your marriage. In 2000, there was a study shown, this is what, 20 years ago, that 85% of all romantic uh, relationships and all sexuality and all the media representations, sitcoms, television shows, and movies, 85% of them were between single characters. What, what does that mean? That means it's, it's all focused on the romance. Nothing's focused on what does it mean to have a healthy marriage. You see, see, a lot of it is this, is because, well, Hollywood says, well, because healthy marriages are so boring. You know, and, and I don't understand why healthiness has become boring. I'll tell you, there's some drama I don't want in my life, and that's being sick and tired and depressed. That's not drama I need. I, I like the boring stuff like joy and happiness, you know, success. Those things are kind of fun. They beat a roller coaster any day of the week. 
History of philosophy has proven that a secular society, when it abandons the values it is based on, becomes narcissistic. Absolutely 100% it becomes narcissistic. It was so bad in Rome that Rome actually came up with a character in their pagan deity named Narcissist to illustrate the problem. Self-centered behavior, selfish-driven behavior, which is becoming predominant in our culture today. It's predominant in our culture today. Doesn't help marriages at all. A family mission statement when you incorporate your marriage, gives you direction and a positive goal to work towards. It says, this is where we want to go, together. It also is very important having a family mission statement because of, of your kids. Your kids are being raised in a secular society, and the chances of your children becoming secular kids is very, very high. Case in point. Uh, this is a little bit of dangerous because uh, I'm going to talk about something that, that is hard to understand. But there's an app out there today called TikTok, right? And it is super popular among preteen girls, right? And the reason why is because the girls get on TikTok. And what it is, is you shoot a video. It's like 15 seconds long, maybe 30 at the most. It's usually between 15 and 20 seconds long. You give a little message. And then once somebody watches it, it disappears forever unless they kind of record on their phone. So, uh, now if I didn't get that exactly right, you don't need to email me if you're in middle school and say, Pastor, you're such a troglodyte, you don't know how it works. Well, you're right, I don't have a TikTok account and I'm not doing any TikToks because when you do, I'm like, I'm just not good at that. Who wants to see that? Nobody, nobody. Can you have negative views on your account? Well. I'm sure I could. Nobody wants to see that. Well, here, here's the point. Is there's a gal on there. She's a nurse. She's got a million and a half followers, and she's a nurse in the South. And so she did a little thing with a little thing, and it just said this to preteen girls. It said, look, if you want to avoid STDs, the best option is abstinence. Wait till you get married to have sex. You think, wow, what a great thing to tell a 12-year-old girl. She was excoriated. She's excoriated. And TikTok is thinking about kicking her off the platform. And you know why? For sharing non-scientific information. What kind of world have we come where true, it is so upside down because all these people are just hammering her. She, had, she deleted her post because she was just getting just hammered by all these people. And they all are hitting her with saying, what you're saying is non-scientific. And I'm like, yeah, it is. As a matter of fact, it's the most factually correct scientific thing that you can say and suggest. It's not a religious thing. It's a science thing. That is the best way. Your kids are being hammered with this. Here's a fact that you may not like to hear, but most boys are exposed to pornography when they're in middle school. They, do, it's, they are exposed to it predominantly through your li your, our public libraries. Our public libraries are the most aggressive non-enforcers of any filters for pornography in our world today. The National Library Association or the the associate, I, I don't even know what the acronym is. It, it escapes my mind. 
they, uh, th that group is a political group and it's one of the most radical leftist groups. Now, this isn't a political issue. It's not between Democrats and Republicans. It's a non-political issue. What this is, is an issue about our children. Did you know today that the pornography industry spends more money on tech on how to get past filters than money that they spend actually filming pornography? massive business. And the reason why they do this is because they know what, what drug dealers know. How do drug dealers get people hooked on drugs? What do they do? They go in and they give it away for free. That's how they start. They create a market. And once people are addicted, then what happens? They jack the price. That's how pornographers do it. And everybody, it's been proven over and over again, is that children, especially boys, when they start viewing pornography at a young age, it creates neurochemical pathways in their brains that mirror addiction. That's the world you live in. And if you don't have a family mission statement, then guess what? That's going to sneak in your back door and you'll never know it. So let's write one. Because you don't want to raise secular kids. You don't want the world telling you how to be married. What you want to do is you want to go to the one place that's been proven over and over again, over 2,000 years of history, and that is the New Testament. It will guide you and lead you and share with you principles that you can never imagine. So let's talk about it. Pull out your family mission statement worksheet. All right, if you're online, just go to the website real quick, click on it, open it up in another window and click back and forth. If you're on your smart TV, I have absolutely no idea what to tell you because I, it's, I don't know how to work smart TVs, okay? Um, the bottom line is this, is that you need to take a moment in time and develop it and I gave you a worksheet to do it, okay? Now, what I would really like to do is I would like, if you're a husband and a father, this is your opportunity to shine. Even if you have great grandchildren. Because what most guys tend to do is go, oh, that's really neat. We, we, we really need this. Honey, could you take care of this? Did you get this going? So no, no. I want to challenge you guys, man. Stand up and lead the fight. Okay, the first thing you need to do is go out. Let's say you have, you're married and you have three kids. So go out and buy four little packets of sticky notes, okay, and four different colors, you know, or five different colors, one for you, one for your wife, different colors for your kids, okay? Now, if you can only get four colors, then you and your wife can be the same color of sticky note. But what you want to do is is you want to use those so that kids can write out their answers. If your kids are too young to write, then ask them and then write down what they say and then let them go stick it up on the board, whether it's your refrigerator or whatever else. And let them have answers to each one of these questions. Now, if you have a baby at home, you know, don't ask your baby and go, oh, how do you spell goo goo gaga? Uh, no, that's not it. Um, what you want to do is just, you know, do it between you and your spouse. If you're single and you're not married and you don't have any kids, then do this exercise for yourself and do it for what kind of family you would like to see. 
or be a part of in the future. So start off with this, brainstorm. Okay, what do we love doing together as a family? What special characteristics or interests does our family pursue together? Have people write it down on sticky notes, go and stick it up there. What are some of our favorite memories? If you're single and you don't have kids and you're not married, look back and think, what were some of my favorite memories as a child growing up and why? And then write those down and stick them up there. Uh, Number three, what words best describe our family? Number four, what could we change about our family for the better? Uh, Number five, what is the foundation of our family? Here's a really good one. Get your kids to start thinking a little bit different. What is the foundation? What are our core beliefs and values? What do we really, really value? And what's really cool is don't lead your kids as they answer. Because you may think, oh, boy, these are our core values, you know. But that's the real question is, is do your kids, are they catching that? Are they catching it? What, what do they think are your core values? Number six, what is the ultimate goal of our family? Number seven, if we had one sentence to describe our family, if we came up with a family motto, what would it be? So then what you do is you take these sticky notes and then you start working on a family mission statement. All right? You just say, we're going to write a family mission statement. What we're going to do is we're going to say, this is what we value, this is where we want to go in life, and this is what we want to end up and be like. So write out a mission statement. If you want to know what they look like and all things, just go to Google and Google family mission statements. And boy, there's tons and tons of pictures of how you can lay them out. So that's challenge number one. The most important thing to do is don't let society tell you how to be a family, but you decide what God is telling you to have a great family. And that means define your family mission statement. Are you single? Write one out. Stop waiting around for the clouds to part, a dove to land on your shoulder and whisper into your ear, this is the love of your life, right? Write a family mission statement. You know, you don't want passion and chemistry being the only thing that dictates choosing a future mate. You want someone who shares some of these family missions that you share. Are you a single parent? Write out a mission statement for your family with benchmarks. Are you single? Well, if you're new new single, say, it may look something like this. You might say to yourself, well, my goal is to be the best parent to my kids and meet their needs at every developmental stage. Number two, I'm going to wait two years minimum before I go out on a date. Please write that down. Are you single? Two years minimum from the day my divorce was final before going out on a date. Write that in there. Because if you don't, what's going to happen is you're going to be going to a concert, you're going to go somewhere, and you're going to meet, you know, Antonio. <laughs> and suddenly your heart's going to do what? Oh, wow. You know? And, and so, time out, family mission statement. Let's wait until I'm ready for that next stage. Are you, if you're a single parent, say, what am I going to do because I can't do everything, so how can I write into my mission statement of what's next? I'm blending a family. Are you trying to blend a family? Then write a family mission statement. Get the kids and the stepkids, sit down. Okay, what's this thing going to look like? Let's write a mission statement. Are you a couple who's been married a long time and you're finishing work and you're about ready to retire? Write a family mission statement because it'll be critical when you go to that next stage. 
of life. Most importantly though, if you are newly married, if you are children or young, you have to do this. Write out a family mission statement because you need something that will guide you and lead you because you do not want to become a flabby flabby. No, no. We're here to pump you up, get you strong. No flabby families here. How was that for Hans and Franz? Not too bad? Okay. Please, I can't entreat you enough to lead and write this out, do it, so that you have a trajectory of where your family is going. Let's stand for closing prayer. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for all the work that you're doing in our lives. God, we thank you so much that you have given us instruction of how we can be intentionally defying the laws of entropy and building new and wonderful things that we can have new curves that lead us to greater heights than ever before. Because you have a plan for us, Jesus. It's not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future. And we want to grab that hope and we want to live in that future. Amen. God bless you. See you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to this Sermon of the Week. Video footage of this sermon and others can be found on foothills.org.